0: I'd invite you to turn to Psalm 23, please. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you. We're taking a one week pause in our series this summer called Our Church. It's not going to be on the screen this evening. And your translation may be a bit different from mine, but here is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. This is the word of the Lord, and we are grateful. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we're grateful to call you shepherd, not just king. We're grateful to call you friend and not just Lord. Please bless us in these moments. May these very well-known words perhaps be fresh and new. And able to do work in deep places in our hearts this evening and this week. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I didn't prepare a sermon tonight. I prayed a sermon. I've shared in the Psalms before that these Psalms in our Bibles give us words to pray and sing when we don't have them ourselves. So I didn't prepare a sermon. What I did was all week I just sat with Psalm 23. And I sat with Psalm 23 because I was thinking of all the varied terrain in our lives, in our life together. What I mean by that is this week, sharply into focus, I was Walking from literally one part of this city, this metroplex in East Dallas, to another part, and that's Richardson. So I was thinking of geographical terrain, right? I was moving all week and all the stress and mess that that entails. I was thinking about just the change of scenery and moving up closer here, four miles from this place, and much closer to you all. Can I get an amen, wily people? I was thinking about the terrain of our life. I was thinking about my life. I was thinking about saying goodbye to the house that we had welcomed two baby girls home into. I was also thinking about the terrain in our lives when we age to a point where we need to say goodbye to people we love. And this week, I also said goodbye to my grandmother. We went and had the gift to say goodbye to her. It came suddenly But it was not so sudden to where the family that was in town from different states, different cities for a birthday were able to go and say goodbye to her when she was in ICU in the hospital. I was thinking about the terrain of life where you go along and you're celebrating one moment and then you're saying goodbye in the next. And Amy and I had the gift... With Psalm 23 rattling in my head and my heart, for some time now, we got to go and see my grandmother early this week and we got to talk to her and she got to talk to us. And I got to hold her frail hands, and I got to look at her with tears in our eyes, and I could see behind the fear and anxiety, a rest and a comfort of a shepherd who has walked with her every moment of her life, whether she was aware of it or not. And I had the gift to hold her hands with my wife and my grandfather and pray the words of Psalm 23 because I couldn't muster the words myself. I got to pray to the shepherd who had walked with her from her very first breath and into the very last breath, maybe eight hours after we left. And I thought about the psalm and I thought about this terrain of our life and I thought about the Lord who leads us. And I thought about the first words, the Lord is my shepherd. And even though this is the most famous psalm in the world, it was my psalm for the week. And I realized that the Lord, however, is not just mine. He is our shepherd for all of our seasons, in all of our places, in all of our lives. The Lord is our shepherd and we follow Him together. Because shepherds don't just care for one sheep, although yes, He does, He cares intimately for a lot of sheep, a flock. We are the people of His pasture, and He is our shepherd. And I thought about our life. I thought about this terrain that I've been talking about, and I see in this psalm that we just read that this shepherd who is with us, not just the me, leads us through varied terrain also. You see it if you look there in the beginning of that psalm. You see that He makes us lie down in green pastures. You see quiet waters, and you see right and safe paths you see this first movement where the shepherd will lead us to the good places the green acres where it is the place to be farm living is the life for me And then I thought, well, this is the most famous psalm, and you see it in all the Thomas Kincaid posters in Mardell, and we get to thinking about green pastures and still waters and safe pathways, and we begin to say, this is just that nice little famous, idyllic, sweet, quaint little psalm. But he doesn't just lead us to green pastures, does he? No. We see that He makes us lie down because there's another movement that He leads us to this terrain of dark, desperate, and dangerous valleys. Why would our shepherd lead us there? We'll see tonight that He leads us, but He never leaves us. Let me say that again. Wherever our shepherd leads us, He will not leave us. Okay? When we go to the terrain of the dark valleys, the dangerous places, as we follow our shepherd together, we begin to see that it's not just the painting at Mardell that's sweet and idyllic. We see that the shepherd who is with us in the green pastures even moves us to and through the dark valleys. And we see that this psalm gives us words to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil our shepherd leads us and he won't leave us and finally in this psalm the third movement we'll see tonight he moves us through the valley and even gives us places of hospitality and extravagant banquets in the midst of enemies and danger until he finally look at the last bit he leads us home I got to pray these words, I got to think of these words as I was going through my life, and as we welcome a new community tonight, I just want us to sit in this psalm to say and think and pray these words and know that we have an our shepherd, and he never takes shortcuts, he's always working and always forming, and wherever he leads us, he will not leave us. David wrote this psalm, and in verse 1, the famous words, the Lord is my shepherd, say it in the King's English, what? I, what? Shall not want. Basically, if I am with my shepherd, what more could I want? This is so famous in America, this psalm, and it is the most unconsumeristic, non-Black Friday, Thanksgiving psalm there is. If the Lord is my shepherd, what more do I need? If the Lord is my shepherd, what should I fear? Because He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's not that I'm wanting when I'm with Him. I'm wanting when I wander away from Him. Because the Lord leads me to green pastures to eat and to rest. When I am in want, it is most likely because I have wandered from the flock and wandered from the shepherd. If the Lord is my shepherd, what more could I want? What does the Lord give us? He makes us lie down in green pastures. I've always been stuck by this phrase. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I need to be made to lay down. I am like Nora and Emma who need to be made to lay down for a nap with or without restraints. Don't call CPS. That was a joke. I'm just seeing if you're awake. I heard once that an African shepherd commented on this psalm, someone who is actually a shepherd to actual sheep, and they pasture these animals and they make them lie down because left on their own, sheep will eat themselves to death. Sheep will eat and eat and eat and mow your grass and it may look pretty, but it's going to make for some fat and dead sheep. The pasture is a place where they're not just filled and eating. It is a place where they rest. He leads us to these pastures and He leads us beside quiet waters or still waters. Waters that you can actually drink from and not fear someone will get you or something rather will get you. What do I want when I have a green pasture to lie down in? Quiet waters to drink from and in the beginning beginning of verse 3, He refreshes my soul. He restores me. He gives an EKG to my soul. Have you been eating yourself to death? Have you been drinking from the waters yourself to death? Do you need to be made to lie down? I don't think He will make you lie down. Hear me. I think our shepherd is leading you to pasture. The question is, do we go with Him to the pasture? Do we go out to pasture with our shepherd? Do we rest beside still waters? Or are we eating and busying and hurrying ourselves to death? I was talking to Amy at the journey that you guys sent me to that two year stint of spiritual formation and training for leaders built into that weekend is what's called the EPC. How many of you have heard of the EPC? It's an extended personal communion. It's not a medical equipment jargon, okay? It's an EPC. And that's a fancy word for go out to pasture and lie down with your shepherd beside still waters. Let him refresh your soul and do it for about six hours with no one bugging you and turn your phone off. And what we found and what they tell us in the very first time of this retreat is that if you do not understand how connected you are to your stuff and your work and your need to be needed, Or your imagination that you are more important than you think you are. Sorry, don't kill me. But if you cannot unplug for six hours, it is going to be like withdrawals for you. To turn your phone off. You've heard the stories and the studies about kids with video games. Try adults with their iPhones. It's like we're going through withdrawals. Studies out of Yale have called it hurry sickness. You experience the same kind of angst and agitation and sickness that you would if you were coming down off of drugs or alcohol. We must be made to lie down in these pastures, and if we are busying and eating ourselves to death, I'm willing to bet that the shepherd has been calling you. Perhaps we just haven't shut up long enough to hear him. I've shared one time at this church too, I've prayed with a gentleman who has walked with us for some time, and he said one time, you know what, I just wish that, you talk about hearing Jesus and hearing God, man, that's really tough. I said, dude, it is tough, and please don't ever assume that he's just talking to me like my wife talks to me. And he says, well, could you pray that like he would turn the volume up? Because I feel like it's static on the TV, and it's like that channel 27-3 on basic cable, and you can sort of hear the televangelist, but you can't really hear it. Could you tell him to turn up the volume? And I said, dude, Maybe you and I don't need to ask Him to turn it up. Maybe we need to turn it down. And that is what I think our shepherd is waiting for us. He is drawing us out. Will we go with Him? And He will give us rest. And in verse 3, He will refresh, revitalize your soul that is on the brink of exhaustion. Are you on the brink of exhaustion? Moving and a funeral this week... And a wedding this weekend, I am on the brink of exhaustion. And when I say I didn't prepare a sermon, I prayed a sermon, because the mantra in my head, when it's not screaming at my wife and kids, just kidding, not really, has been, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Give me rest and restore my soul and that is what He does for us. If He is our shepherd, what more could we want? We must lay down because He won't leave us there. He will invariably lead us through the darkest valley because we'll see in a moment, it is the way home. So even, verse 4, though I walk through the darkest valley, He's taken us through the right paths. He's shown to be a trustworthy servant for His name's sake. Verse 3, now when we get to the dark valleys, we see say, whoa, are you that trustworthy? I liked the right paths. I liked the nice paths. I liked your namesake when we're saying, praise you, Jesus, you're great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What about when I'm calling out in this crooked path, this dark path, this narrow path, this long path, and I'm saying, help me, help me, help me. Where are you? Where are you? I'll tell you where I am. I am in a place with my sheep that is a valley that has enemies and threats around it. It's dark, I can't see. It's narrow, there's danger. It's not just death that's in view here. It is all the things that want to destroy you and knock you down. It is all those, hello, circumstances that is dictating your reality. It is all the terrible things in the storm that is around you or the storm that you've created and it is all the things that want to take your life, and it is all the things, watch, that want us to doubt our shepherd. Because in the darkest valley, it's harder to see our shepherd, much less hear our shepherd. And in those moments, When the green pastures are a distant memory, would you, like David in the psalm, remember that he never leaves us where he leads us? And would you, even through the dark and the haze, if all you can muster are these words of the psalm or other words of the psalms that say, God, where are you? Are you? Do you live in Death Valley? Because I don't see you. Would you make this pastor so happy to talk to the other people that Kathy shared you are running with? Would you talk to me? Would you talk to those who may be at the end of the valley and are beginning to see things a little more clearly? Do not get stuck in the valley of the shadow. Do grieve do experience the chaos and mess of this world because it will let you cry out more to the shepherd and trust the shepherd because in the dark valley, it's the first time you might realize, I don't have it figured out. I've seen too many times in hospital rooms and deathbeds when people are losing control and their loved one is dying and there's nothing they can do. All of a sudden what happens is people start to grasp for any control they have. Have you experienced the death of a loved one? Have you been in those moments when all control seems lost? That is right when we want to become the shepherd, not cling to the shepherd. We must remember that He is with us even in the valley And remember that we're following our shepherd, not just my shepherd. If you're not hearing from the shepherd, perhaps we need to hear from the flock through whom the shepherd speaks. It's not just death that's in view in the valley, it's danger, it's dark, it's narrow. And then he says this insane thing I will fear no evil. This is a man who looked evil in the face and said, I will choose not to let you dictate my reality. My shepherd will dictate my reality. Thank you very much. I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, they protect me, but really, I will fear no evil because it's you who are with me. What are you afraid of? What are you worried about? What has got your blood pressure so high and so anxious at this moment that you can hardly cope? What are you afraid of? You have it right there. Now, are you holding it in your mind alone? Because perfect love and the God who is love casts out fear. It may not magically wrap it up and fix it and send it on its way tonight, but that love says even in the face of evil, I choose to trust, not fear. It looks bleak now. It looks like an impossible situation now. This person may not make it out, but I am not alone. And I can trust the shepherd. It's easier said than done, but that is those places where I invite you, even in the darkness, to imagine the shepherd king next to you and hearing the words with all the imagination or faith you can muster. Scrape the bottom of the barrel and hear your shepherd king say, I am with you. Hear Him on the mountain to His disciples, who we talked about a few weeks ago, doubted. Some worshipped and some said, could it really be Him? And He said to all of them gathered in Matthew 28, I am with you always, always to the end of the age. You may not be here to the end of the age, but I will be. And I will be with even more disciples throughout the centuries and into centuries ad nauseum until I am in all, through all, and you have made it not just through the valley of the shadow. You have made it home to me. You're restored. You are cared for. I am with you. I will be with you. I will never not be with you because where He leads us, He will not leave us. Why is He not afraid? It's not just that He's with me. He's comforted, protected, provided for. Even on the road back home, out of the valley, verse 5, you shepherd prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He also anoints my head with oil, which is healing. You come out scathed from the valley. He's anointing you with oil. And it's so extravagant, His love, your cup overflows. He's doing this as a banquet, an extravagant banquet, even with the chaos and danger and threat around Him. In Russia, Kara Vaughn shared her story of violence... But it's not just a story of violence, it's a story of forgiveness. For those of you who don't know, Kara's brother was murdered violently outside of his home in Wiley, maybe six years ago. He was murdered in the wee hours by a group of young men who made some very bad choices that will haunt them for a long time. One of them used a weapon and it was a very difficult, painful, dark valley situation. And Kara in this church, with this flock, was able through the power and grace of God to forgive these young men. To testify to how she has forgiven these young men. And she even spoke on their behalf and pleaded that they would be tried not as adults, they would be tried as minors, and that they would get off with the lightest sentence possible. That doesn't make sense, but grace doesn't make sense. And Kara was able to share this story a few months back in Russia, when she and her husband Robert and I got to go and be with Rizan Evangelical Church who we partner with. When Mark and Drew, the pastors at this church, were in Russia some five or six years ago, that week is when it happened. Is that right? They were in Russia with Rizan Evangelical Church when they got the news that that Kara's brother had been murdered. And that church in Russia prayed for Kara. And when Kara came five years later, she met and saw the faces of the men and women who said, How are you? I prayed for you. I can't believe that happened. And Kara gets to stand and speak her story of how God had wrought this forgiveness and growth and healing, and she shared a story about how one of the young men were released and got probation and Because he was from another country, his family had immigrated, there was a bit of a language barrier, and the mom and dad and family who Kara had come to know throughout the trial came to her, shocked, and I think happy, and they said, Kara, what does that mean? And Kara looked at this family of the young man who killed her brother, and she said, that means you get to go home with your son. And within 30 minutes of a verdict, they got to go and sit down at a meal together. And I'm sitting in Rizan, Russia. And I'm hearing the story I've heard several times before. And I'm thinking about the shepherd who prepares an extravagant feast in the presence of enemies in danger. Because I can trust him even when it looks bleak. I can trust Him with my very life to even lay down my life instead of take life because He can prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. And this... With tears in my eyes and this psalm in my heart, when Kara sits down having shared her story, then the children of Razan Evangelical Church, just three months ago, came down to the front and they looked at us and for months they had been practicing Psalm 23 in English and all of them stood down with us in the front row and they said, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And then the next kid said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Then the next one said, he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And moments after Kara shares her story, an eight-year-old looks her in the eyes and says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies that was a holy moment across the world and it made me think of all the varied terrain in our lives where you think you wake up to go on a fishing trip and your life ends in the valley of the shadow But it also makes me trust the shepherd who walks with us and prepares a table, who heals us and anoints us and cares for us, and the good shepherd Jesus, who goes for the lost sheep and leaves the 99 on the green pasture so he can bandage and bind and put the lost sheep on his shoulders. And it's this kind of relentless, insane trust in our shepherd we follow that leads him finally to a place where he he knows he'll make it home. In verse six, he says, "Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life." This verb, I'm told, I've read. I don't know Hebrew well enough to sit here and read this psalm, but the word here is a unique word that says, "Your goodness and mercy are in pursuit of me; they are snapping at my heels." And it is this beautiful, real, neat and poetic passage when you come out of the valley thinking that death and darkness and violence were nipping at your heels. And there's moments in your life where you turn and you find that it was God's grace and goodness working and in, in, in slaying evil and trying to work and diminish and restore and revitalize and resurrect. And you see that even in the valley, even in the green pastures, His goodness and love is always nipping at our heels all the days of our lives. And it's with that quiet assurance that you can finally slump down in your chair and say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When are you most grateful to be home? That home that you're tired of, that you need to fix. It's when you've been gone for a long time. How does the lost sheep feel when he comes back to the fold? Because his shepherd carried him on his shoulders. The shepherd healed her, bound her, and brought her safely home. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the presence of God, our shepherd in our community, our fold, and in this sacred space tonight? Are you at a place, if you're in the terrain of the green pastures and the beauty, are you in the dark valley, or are you at a place where you feel at rest in the arms of your shepherd? But can you look back on the road and see him leading you all the way? Can you train yourself as you lay your head on your pillow tonight to think about the steps that you've walked and know that you've not walked them alone? And do you know that it's not just the shepherd I'm talking about that's with you, but the sheep gathered in this room and those who are not in this room at this moment? Do you know... That there is reviving in the places He wants to make you lay down? Do you know that there's protection even in the darkness? And do you know that when all's said and done, you can rest fully and totally in His arms? If you don't have the words, I hope that Psalm 23 would be those words for you like they've been for me. So I'd like to close in prayer. And ask you in these moments to spend some time perhaps quieting yourself as John sings a new song that God gave him, he wrote, and to come to the table and remember that even our shepherd was a lamb who was slain for the world, that we might not be alone. Let us pray.